my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, ladies, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am so excited to be able to share this week's episode with you. I have an amazing interview from Francesca Hoagie, who is an incredible love coach. She's a human design expert, and she has just been rocking my world lately with all of her wisdom about dating, about relationships, and about prioritizing yourself first. And I just wanted to have her on the show because we align in so many ways and in so many of our teachings, and I thought she could bring great value to you, the Black Girls Hill audience. So you're going to hear her interview in a moment. Um, I wanted to say, because this episode is specifically talking about dating, I actually had a conversation with someone in my DMs a few days ago who is a married listener of the program. And I know there are a lot of you listening who are married or in long-term committed relationships with people who are healthy, and you are just listening for your own self-care, for your own self-development as you grow in yourself as a married person. And so she had asked me, you know, are the things that I teach on this platform only for single women? And the answer is no. Um, because I talk about healing intimacy and connection, you know, I talk a lot about things like um, communicating through your anger, communicating through your triggers, um, being clear with what you want, expressing yourself, healing the wounds inside of you that you're projecting to other people, not self-medicating with your relationships, which can also happen in marriage. Of course, with not self-medicating in other ways as well, but I did say that a lot of the examples that I give are framed for single women because it is the majority of the women who listen to this podcast. And it's easier, to be honest, to give examples because marriage is so nuanced. You know, there are layers to this. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. And so I asked her what would be or what are any specific examples or questions that you have as a married woman that you feel either aren't addressed on the podcast or they have been addressed, but you would want to hear about it more. So that is the same question I'm posing to those of you who are married or in long-term committed partnerships with partners and with part, of course, partnerships with partners, (laughs) but you're in long-term committed partnerships and you're like, I love this, or this is really helpful, but I still have questions about this part or what does this part look like? 
for married people. And so I would love to hear what your questions are. I'm not, I don't have a form. I don't have a link or anything for you to go to, but you can just reach out and DM me. You can email me if you like at Sheena at blackgirlsheal.org. Sheena spelled with one E and one N <laughs> um, because I, throughout my life, I've met Sheena's who spell our names in so many different ways. So Sheena, S-H-E-N-A at blackgirlsheal.org. Or you can just use our contact form at the website as well. So however you get the message to me, I'll receive it. Um, if you're on our text community list, you can text that in as well. And I will keep your suggestions in mind for future episodes if I'm able to teach about it in a way that is applicable. Again, marriage has layers. And sometimes the questions go so deep um, and have so many different parts to it, which is why you know I'm I shy away from giving specific examples here without a whole lot of disclaimers and buffers and and filtering around it. But I want to make sure that every listener feels seen and um, that you hear yourself in these episodes, especially if you relate to struggling with letting people in or being overattached or codependent and um, love addicted, love avoidant, love deprivation, all those things. So there's that. So this episode, speaking of our Healed and Loved Woman model, this episode is definitely within the love worthiness category. If you don't know what that is, you need to go back and listen to the episodes from earlier this year where I broke down the Healed and Loved Woman model. Um, The episode that I talked about love worthiness is from going from love deprived to love worthy. And so relationships, whether it's dating or not, are so can't, yeah, they are. I'm just going to say it straight out. They are so triggering. Even when we have been working on our self-care and our self-love for years, and we feel like we got it down, we feel like we're clear, we feel like we're a great communicator, we're thriving in everything in all places. When we get into relationships, things will be touched on and things will be exposed that are still areas for us to grow. That's why I try to tell people you know, don't get into this very um, perfectionistic or legalistic view. Like the goal is self-love and self-acceptance, not perfection, because that is what you're going to need to grow in your relationship to be able to, to nurture, to take care of yourself and still hold space for somebody else. But with that said, you being exposed to different triggers and things that make you Um, question your worth or question your value or project that someone is rejecting you or go straight into your defense response whenever you do feel triggered, you're going to have to know how to build your love worthiness, to, to sit firmly in that and to also be able to share some of that grace with the other people around you as well. So, Um, Franny is talking with us about having self-care while you are dating. Um, This is so important, especially for those of us where our dating histories have been pretty triggering. They have been um, kind of landmines. They have been full of roller coasters and ups and downs and false starts. Or maybe we had a really great relationship and it just didn't work out because we just grew apart as people, circumstances changed. And so we have fear because of how people talk about dating because of some early experiences of getting back out there again. So Franny is doing a great job in this episode explaining how to do that. She's going to share her five-step model with you and um, tips that you can take into into, um, heart 
Um, make sure with that, make sure that you have your notepad. If you are a note taker, I know some of you are, to go ahead and write down the tips that she shares. I do think that there is definitely some parallel with this for my ladies who are in married and committed relationships. So please feel free to still listen um, and stay on and just see and just take what you need and leave the rest. And you're going to also hear a little bit about matchmaking. Franny, she'll tell you about her history herself, but she was a matchmaker in a former life before she went fully into love coaching. And, you know, I'll let her tell her story. So let's jump into this episode. For some reason, her audio is a lot lower than mine. So if you are a offended by uneven sound delivery or sound quality, um, you're, you're, you're going to have some problems, especially at the beginning of this episode when we're doing a lot of the introduction and talking more. I am a lot louder than she is. She's telling jokes and I'm laughing <laughs> and it comes out as like this booming laugh compared to her voice. So just brace yourself ahead of time, but it gets better as the episode goes on. One day your girl hopefully will be either syndicated or have a amazing podcast team that can edit all these sound issues for me. So it won't be just homegrown with just me, but for right now, that's what we got. So sending you all love this episode and I hope that you enjoy it. All right. So today on the podcast, I have the one, the only, Dear Franny, aka Francesca Hoagie. Welcome to the Black Girls Hill podcast, Franny. Hi, Sheena. Thank you for having me. I'm actually, I'm very excited for this conversation. Oh, girl, I am excited. I ever since, so my business coach tagged you on her stories. My business coach is Maya Elias and she's fantastic. And anybody that she recommends or works with is amazing. And so when she tagged you, I clicked through and I just went on this deep dive and you are so wise, so loving, so knowledgeable about relationships and self-love and human design and all these things. And you have enriched my life already, just having known you and known of you for the last couple of months. So I cannot wait to hear what you're able to share with the Black Girls Hill audience. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That warms my heart so much. And yet I love Maya. She's amazing. I'm so happy to, to work with her. And, um, and I'm just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm so glad that what I'm putting out into the world has resonated with you so much. It means a lot. So thank you. Yes, yes. So we're going to talk about self-care while dating. But before we jump into that, I would love if you can introduce yourself a little bit more and talk about your expertise. Sure. So I am a love coach and I help people to get really clear on what it is that they need in a relationship to really understand why it hasn't happened up until now. And I help them to heal whatever needs to be healed and shift whatever needs to shift in their mindset, in their approach, um, and into dating in order to get into a really healthy, true love relationship. So that's what I do. And um, I, I work with clients. I've been doing this now. I started, a, actually started as a matchmaker. Um, I mean, in a previous career, I was a lawyer, but even when I was a lawyer, I was very 
um, I never, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer forever, but I was also always very focused on love. I was always very focused on romance. Um, I mean, since childhood, I was just one of those romantic kids. I had so much romantic longing. I wanted to fall in love. I wanted to have adventures and, you know, a great love and all of that. And, um, but I also didn't have a lot of confidence and didn't think that boys liked me and um, was very avoidant of dating at all for a very long time. So um, I, so I was very frustrated in my own love life. Um, and so I, you know, go back, going back to when I was practicing law, I was very frustrated in my own love life. And I was going through all these different phases and journeys and reading a million books and trying to figure things out and then making some progress and having a breakthrough and all of that. And uh, I started blogging about dating. And I just, I did it because somebody invited me to contribute to a blog and she was like, you can write about whatever you want. And I was like, well, she was like, you want to, if you want to write about law? And I'm like, oh God, no, I'm not writing about <laughs> law in my spare time. <laughs> Definitely not doing that. Um, I barely want to do that when I'm getting paid for it. So like, no, um, I was like, so I was like, well, I'm like, the only thing that I would want to write about is dating, but you know, I don't know if I'm like, qualified to do that and she was like yeah you can write out whatever you want and I was like okay great so I started this dating blog and um you know it's funny how life like gives you these especially if you're a person like me who for a long time didn't know what to do and what you were here to do and what my talents were and all of that you know I look back now and I'm like oh yeah duh like I started a dating blog for fun, you know, like maybe that would have been a little <laughs> hint, but, but to me, I was just like, oh, well, everyone cares about dating. Like everyone cares about relationships and everyone does kind of, <laughs> I mean, in terms of themselves, but not in terms of other people. Um, anyway, so I just, I, I, that was kind of the first inkling that, hmm, you know, maybe there's something more here. And I was getting really into writing that blog and um, answering dating advice questions from my, you know, from my perspective. And, um, but it was still kind of in the background. And then I wound up finding out about a matchmaker. Um, have you ever heard of Paul Brunson, Paul C. Brunson? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So I wound up, um, I was at a, <clears throat> excuse me, I was at a 4th of July barbecue and I, I met a woman there. She was like, yeah, she's talking about this black male matchmaker she follows on Twitter. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> say that again who is he um and just instantly went and and on twitter and followed him and um you know for those who are listening who maybe don't know paul you should check him out he's amazing he's my mentor and he is the reason that i'm in this industry because i just basically so it was like twitter stalking him and uh he tweeted one day that he was going to be speaking at the Matchmaking Institute conference in New York. And I was like, there's a Matchmaking Institute? And they have right? a conference? That just like, blew my mind. <laughs> it, it blew my mind too. I was like, what? And I responded to his, to his tweet and I was like, I want to go to this. And he's like, you should come. And I was like, okay, I will. And I did. And, um, and so I met Paul and I met all these other all these other matchmakers and they were just like regular people, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Paul's extra, extra awesome, but like, you know, these are just regular people who had a passion for helping people find love. And I was in there making a living doing it. And I was like, wait a second, I want to do this. So I decided to become a matchmaker and I got my matchmaking certification and 
I actually started working with Paul. Um, I was I, as one of his match. I was actually eventually his lead matchmaker and coach um, for his agency. And so in this matchmaking process, because you know I was very focused on matchmaking at the beginning. I wasn't interested in coaching. Um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to introduce everybody to their perfect person, and it's going to be amazing, and everyone's going to live happily ever after. And I very quickly realized that it's not that simple. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no wonder I'm still single. Because <laughs> 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 I was single at the time. Um, well, actually, I was in a relationship at the very beginning of when I entered into this industry, but then we did break up. So I was single for a time when I was doing this. And, um, and it just became really clear that the only people that we could match were people who were really open to looking at themselves, to looking at their own self-worth, looking at their own, you know, their own mindset and take responsibility. Like only, those were the only people that we could match. And the people who were just like, nope, I want what I want. And I want it. And, and we mostly worked with women. So it was like, you know, I want what I want. I want him. He's and a lot, of, a lot of the women who hired us, frankly, like kind of wanted Paul. I mean, he's married. They weren't literally trying to get Paul, but like they wanted like this very, you know, and everybody look up Paul. If you haven't seen him, you know, he's like a very handsome, tall, mm -hmm. chocolate man. He's emotionally available. He's like, you know, he's like, he's, he's, he's incredible. Right. So yeah, I, I got it. But it's kind of everybody basically was just like, they wanted a, a Paul. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay. Like, it, it's not just that simple. There isn't like a man factory where <laughs> we're just cranking him out. But let's get really clear on like what is it that you actually need in a relationship and all of that and like i said some 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 of our clients were really open to that process and others were just like nope i want what i want it doesn't matter if i've never met anyone like that or i've never dated anyone like that you know now that i'm paying you bring me you know 10 of these options who want to marry me tomorrow so <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, I was like, okay, so you know what? The matchmaking is not where it's at. It's the coaching is where it's at. So I transitioned into coaching um, exclusively. And yeah, so that's what I've been doing um, pretty much exclusively for the past five years. And um, I also, I write about love. I have a podcast about love um, called Dear Franny. I, um, you know, I, and I speak on love on, human design, um, you know, dating, all of this. All, so I just, I feel really lucky. I get to like every day just talk about dating and love and self-love and human design and manifestation. And I'm just, I mean, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful that somehow I've made this into my career. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're good at it. Like I said before, you're really great at this. Oh, so. I have a quick follow-up question about the matchmaking. Um, so in your transition into coaching. So with you doing more love coaching now, does the matchmaking just happen by nature of them doing their work? Like their, their energy, their frequency is higher, they're more open, so they end up meeting people? Or do you actually help people meet folks as part of your coaching process as well? Yeah, great question. Um, so the so it's the former so people um I, I help people to be their own matchmaker and mm -hmm. um and it's much more effective anyway um particularly because i work 
with women primarily. Um, and, uh, and I did also as a matchmaker, you know, my clients were, were all women. And um, most matchmakers actually don't take women clients. And the reason that they don't is because the industry is like, if you think the millionaire matchmaker, like that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much um, the vibe, a lot of the industry where it's about, you get this like really eligible, you know, quote unquote eligible man. And then, you know, you have all of these like, you know, amazing women for this man to choose from. And that's a very, that's an easy thing for a matchmaker to do, because if you can get that, you know, quote unquote, eligible male client, you're always going to have women who are like open to meeting him. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work so easily the other way around. So um, as a matchmaker, uh, when you work with women clients, a lot of what you're doing is trying to kind of market and sell, you know, market your client to these these, you know, to these potential matches to these men. And I hate to be so heteronormative, but this is just, mm-hmm. this is just what, you know, I, I, I just mostly work with heterosexual people and not just not to be exclusive, but um, this is just my experience. So um, it's not, it was not so easy the other way around. So a lot of, a lot, there's a lot of pushback, especially for the types of the types of men who the woman who hires a matchmaker wants to date, you know, this is a guy who's successful, he's handsome, he's this, you know, he's got a lot, he's got a, he, he's checking a lot of boxes, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and he's, ob- and he also wants a relationship and he's also open to that. And so most men who have all of those qualities, they don't have any trouble finding plenty of women to date. So mm-hmm. when you come as a matchmaker with your clients and you're like, tr- you know, you're like, well, you know, and she's so amazing. And I mean, I honestly would hear often, they'd be like, well, she's so amazing. Like, why'd she hire you? Oh. <laughs> you know, wow. like, why does she need a matchmaker? <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. like a, a woman would never say that about a man. She's like, oh, this is, he's, he's powerful. He's busy. This is efficient. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he just, he doesn't want to waste his time, but like, in general, men did not have that same attitude or don't have that same attitude about women hiring matchmakers. So anyway, this is a whole long tangent, but this is why um, most matchmakers don't take on women clients at all. They'll only take women on for coaching because of this weird dynamic. Whereas when these same clients who, when I'm, you know, trying to kind of market on their behalf there's just kind of met a little bit of resistance they themselves are then able to go out and meet men on their own much more easily so mm-hmm. it's so much easier to be your own matchmaker um on the whole than it is to you know hire one okay awesome yeah that makes a lot of sense and that's definitely in line i feel like i've noticed more Matchmakers that I do know, they have directories for the women, but they actually have the men as clients that they serve um, heterosexual relationships. So that behind the scenes knowledge makes a lot of sense of why that is. So cool. All right. So I learned about that. And (laughs) with that said, I would love for us to transition into talking more about self-care while dating. And this is so important because even with you sharing your story and just the ways that our insecurities just can manifest in our sense of self-worth in general and then that's a direct reflection to how we show up in relationships and then 
even when we do our healing process, this is definitely something I see with my students um, who, you know, they feel better, they feel on top of the world, they feel like they reclaimed who they are in broken patterns. But then when you start the dating process, if you're in it a little bit too long, all of the triggers um, that that you might not even know were there start to come up. So yeah, um, yeah. what yeah. what are your thoughts about self-care and dating and insecurities yeah. and all oh that? Oh my goodness, so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dating is a very, very triggering process. I, I probably say that at least twice a day, every day, because people are like, I just don't. And I'm like, okay, give yourself a break, take a breath. <laughs> this is a triggering process for everyone. Um, so before we even talk about self-care, because the way that I think about self-care is as I see self-care as an element of self-love and, um, and we all deserve to, to have self-care and to give ourselves you know, that, that love, but it is so critical on your dating journey because it is so easy to get derailed. It's so easy to fall into um, you know, just pessimism and skepticism and worry and fear, um, whether it's fear of being hurt, whether it's fear of not being good enough, whether it's fear of never meeting someone, whether it's fear of choosing the wrong person. You know, there's all sorts of ways in which those fears come up with, in dating. And if we aren't being very strategic about how we are addressing those fears as they arise, then they're, they are more than likely going to win in terms of, you know, taking you off of the path and, and, and thinking that, you know, th there's a part of you that thinks you're keeping yourself safe, right? It's like, no, love is scary, right? So let's keep you safe from love, right? Um, so it's really important to understand that that's just how we are wired as humans. And um, so when I say that before I, I get into self-care, there's a few other things I need to talk about first. It's because I, I think of self-love very holistically. And I think of it as having these five separate elements and self-care is one of them, but on the list, and they go in order for a reason, on the list, self-care is number four. So number one on the list, and this is in you know my opinion, this is my self-love formula, Number one, self-compassion. And the reason I have self-compassion as number one is because, and, and this is in life in general, but this is certainly the case when it comes to dating. It is very, very easy to fall into a habit of criticism, self-criticism, judgment, negative self-talk, right? Whatever that negative voice in your head is telling you that the love you'll never have or why you can't have it or you know what's possible for you all of that it is just so prevalent in life but also in dating and even though it's human and it's and it's normal and everyone has that to some degree it's really important to start to cultivate self-compassion as a way of combating all of that negative self-talk and all of that negative all that criticism all that judgment because the real problem with that criticism and judgment, it's not just that it doesn't feel good because it doesn't, but it's not just that. The problem is that it generates shame and shame is the real problem because once you have activated shame, first of all, it just seeks more, it, like all emotion, all of our emotions seek to like 
multiply themselves, right? So like when you're feeling very joyful, it's easier to find more things to feel joyful about, right? When you're feeling really, when you're feeling really, um, really sad, it's easy to feel more, find more things to feel sad about, right? It's just, that's just how it, that's just how our emotions really um, color our experience because we're always looking to really, like I said, just like amplify that emotion. So shame is corrosive. Shame is to me the worst emotion possible because all it does is eat away at you from the inside. And all it does is keep you stuck. And it's all based on a lie that somehow you aren't good enough or that you don't get to have the love that you want or that you never will or all of these things that it's just part of the human condition and trauma and you know, shit that happens in our lives and experiences and conditioning and all of that. So there's so much that we all have to deal with that it's really important to give ourselves that grace and just give ourselves a break. So I find that you can't really get into a conversation about self-care or self-worth without dealing with self-compassion and just resetting. It's like, okay, how much am I judging myself? Can I be compassionate towards myself right now for my real or perceived mistakes or shortcomings. So that's number one. Number two is self-worth. And self-worth is everything, but we can't, like I said, we can't get there without the compassion. And so with self-worth, the challenge is that we have been told our whole lives that we have to look a certain way or have a certain thing or do a certain thing or all sorts of whatever, right? In order to be good enough, in order to be loved, in order to be lovable. And so we have a self-worth crisis in our culture because we've all been bombarded with this message by people who were well-intentioned, by people who weren't well-intentioned, by marketing, by advertising, by peers, on and on and on and on and on. So it is, and when it comes to love, especially, because remember, romantic love, very triggering, Mm -hmm. right? It triggers all of our deepest fears, insecurities, that's why it's an area that's so challenging for so many people because when you're in that shame fog, and that's what I call it, <laughs> when, when you're not being compassionate towards yourself and you're judging yourself, it, that when you're in the shame fog, you cannot see clearly and you will stay stuck there. You will stay right where you are if you're in the shame fog. That's why we start with self-compassion. And then you get to self-worth. And then once you're more clear and you're not you know, just going around in circles in that shame fog, now you can start to ask yourself, if I did truly believe that I was worthy of having the love that I want, the abundance that I want, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, the, the good health, the creativity, the acknowledgement, the intimacy, et cetera, all of the things that every single human is born needing. We're all born with the same core needs. And you can look at small children to see this. And we are all worthy because we are born because if you look at a newborn baby and if you have a newborn or not a newborn necessarily if you have a child in your life that you love that you can like envision when that child was born what did they have to do to be worthy nothing <laughs> just exists <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. and it's this and we it's the same goes for us right but it's very hard to believe that so in order to start to really believe that we have to choose to treat ourselves with enough love because love is a verb right it's not just a feeling 
so we can make a choice to treat ourselves. We, we have a choice to take that worthy action, even if our feelings aren't, 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 aren't all the way there yet, right? And so you commit to taking that worthy action. So it's just a, it's a compassionate inquiry. Like, hmm, if I truly believed I was worthy of having the love that I wanted, the relationship that I wanted, what would I do now? And yeah. see what comes up. Not about a perfect answer. It's about starting to train yourself to expand, right? That belief and to start to shift and examine what you believe is possible for you because all of us want to make ourselves right about what we believe more than we want to be happy. Mm -hmm. On a subconscious level, you want to be right more than you want to be happy. So it's very important to understand what you believe so you can change the things (laughs) that you do not want to be true um, because, you know, if you're going to make yourself right about what you believe, you might as well believe things that are actually in alignment with what you want. Right. So, so that's self-worth. And then the third is self-validation because when you're taking this action, you're giving yourself that break with that self-compassion, you're starting to ask yourself the question about that worthy action, starting to take that worthy action, then it's really, really important that you give yourself credit for mm-hmm. having done it. Mm -hmm. the only way that we build confidence is by doing things that are hard and then actually giving ourselves credit for having done them which is why you can have people who can be incredibly incredibly accomplished in something and they have very very low self-confidence because they've never actually accepted that validation and they've never they've never been able to give it to themselves right Mm -hmm. and so they're just in this endless quest for like more and more and more and more outside validation, which doesn't, doesn't, I mean, we need outside validation, but when we don't have an ability to validate ourselves, it doesn't land, we can't receive it. Mm-hmm. It is so important, just real quick, it is so important to be able to pause and celebrate ourselves, like every step, every moment, and just self-validate, like you yes. said. Yeah, so important. And so many women, especially so many Black women do not do this. Mm. talk about it we're so we're so busy um holding ourselves to an extremely high standard we're so Mm. busy striving moving forward like okay check next next going 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 we got what we got to do what we got to do who we got to take care of what's next and we don't ever stop and say wait a second look at look at all this i just did (laughs) look Mm. at what i'm doing right now like Mm. you know so we can't fall into that trap of of thinking that number one we don't deserve And that somehow it's like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. So why, you know, don't give yourself credit. Who are you to say, to pat yourself on? Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. In the back. Mm-hmm. That, so we had to start to examine that thinking because who are you, who are you not to pat yourself on the back? <laughs> hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Who are you not to love yourself, right? The world would be a much better place if everybody loved themselves. (laughs) We wouldn't have all of the nonsense that we have in this world where everybody, you know, people trying to tear each other down and compete and feel more superior to people and thinking they're inferior to people and like all sorts of, all this nonsense, this madness, this Mm -hmm. is all coming from fear and fear, love and fear are the two most powerful forces in the universe. And Mm. it's, we, we see what happens when we choose fear time and time and time and time again, we have, (laughs) the world (laughs) that we live in Uh right so when we can within ourselves to start to choose love time and time again that's actually how we change the world we can only do it by starting with ourselves so self-validation active love towards yourself you deserve it and then number four is self-care so when I think Uh about self-care and this is and um Uh and let's talk about dating specifically um number one you want to ask yourself how do I want to feel? Given where you are on your love journey, how do you want to feel? Because you are where you are. And this is why we got, we start with self-compassion, whatever judgment you have, like I shouldn't be single, I should have met somebody by now, or I blew it, or I'll never meet anyone, or I'm too old, or I'm too this, or I'm, all, of, all of that judgment is, it's a distraction and I mean, I want you to be compassionate towards yourself for feeling that way. Your feelings are totally valid. 
always honor your feelings, but your feelings also are not facts, right? So we need to like honor our feelings, but we also need to be like, all right, well, this is how I feel right now. Right now, I might feel really depressed about my journey. I might feel really pessimistic, or I might feel really rejected, or I might feel really overwhelmed or whatever it is. So, okay, that's how you feel. How do you want to feel? Right? Mm -hmm. Given the reality of the situation, because you can't say, well, I want to feel like I'm in love with the love of my life. It's like, okay, no, 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 today, (laughs) right? How do you want to feel today? How do you want to feel when you get on that app? How do you want to feel when you wake up in the morning? How do you want to feel when you go on a date? Right? So that's the first question. And then the second question is what action or actions can I take to support myself in feeling that way? Mm -hmm. And that's self-care. Self-care is taking actions. And sometimes, because the biggest act of self-care, in my opinion, is saying no. So sometimes the action that you're taking is you're, you're putting a boundary in place. Sometimes the action that you're taking is you're stopping another action. So for instance, if you're dating and you want, you want to find a partner, you're ready for love, but you are entertaining a lot of people who aren't that, and you know that, but you're hoping against hope that like, maybe they'll change their minds, or maybe if you play it cool enough or da, 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 like pay attention to how that is making you feel. And mm-hmm. what, what beliefs are you reinforcing by continuing to take that action of entertaining those people? Mm-hmm. Because your choices matter and your choices are going to impact your feelings and your feelings are everything, right? So if you're right. like, oh, maybe I actually don't feel, maybe I don't want to feel like this is all there is. So yeah. maybe I want to feel more hopeful. Maybe I want to feel like there, I actually can, um, you know, uh, I, I want to feel the confidence to be able to articulate what I'm looking for and yeah. not feel self-conscious about it. Like, okay, great. What can we do? Maybe one thing we can do is we can say no to this person because <laughs> he's already shown you or they've already shown you, right? Mm-hmm. They're not the one. They're not capable of that. Maybe the choice is you need to just uh, do a, take a break and figure out what it is that you actually want Maybe okay. the choice is you need to uh, you need to change your relationship to how you're swiping because it's overwhelming and you feel all this pressure and you know so what can you do about that? Um, so it's like it's so many things and maybe you just like, I just want to feel like I have energy. Maybe you're exhausted. So like okay, how can what what can you do to start to feel more rested and mm-hmm. really to start to be like. Um, like a detective in your own life. And, and uh, like, I'll give an example of something that um, I, and this was when I was single um, and, I, and I totally think this is related. I was, um, I, had been, I had been having like a lot of jaw problems. Like my jaw was just like so tight and I was having all this jaw pain. And I, I woke up one morning and I like literally couldn't open my mouth. Like my jaw was like locked shut. And I was mm-hmm. totally freaked out. And um, so I had to calm myself down enough to like get my jaw open. And I was like, okay, this is not good, right? And I started going to acupuncture and all this stuff. But I realized I was like, okay, rather than just try to fix this from the outside, like what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be worried that I'm going to wake up and not be able to open my mouth. Like, this is crazy, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, I need to, I want to feel more relaxed. I want to feel more Um, I want to feel more comfortable in my body. I want to feel less stressed, right? 
And so I'm like, all right, what, what's going on in my life right now? So I noticed that like many people, I was super addicted to my phone and my phone was in the bed with me every night. It was the last thing I did before I went to sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night to pee. I'd be real quick, like, oh, let me just real quick, just, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like I, and then the first thing in the morning I woke up, I reached for my phone, you know, drop the phone on my face. Like I, you know, like, it was like, I had this and I was like, hmm, I have this suspicion that maybe this relationship with my phone is part of what's causing me the stress. Let me see. And, and I just became curious about it. I was like, let me just see. And so I started leaving my phone in my little one bedroom apartment. So it's not like I had some giant apartment, but I, in my little one bedroom apartment, I just started leaving my phone in my living room. When I, mm-hmm. when I was ready, for, like when I, I would start saying, first of all, when I'm like, okay, it's ready for time for me to get ready for bed. I would plug my phone in, in the living room, turn the ringer off. And I just wouldn't look at it again until morning. Mm-hmm. And it solved my jaw problems. Mm. just yeah. giving myself that mental space and that break just be like you know what this is my time to rest nothing on the phone is that important yeah. everything can wait till tomorrow I don't need to see if I got you know if I'm up to 11 likes on Instagram like who like it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know. that someone has responded to my swiping on them or that such and such has texted me back just um that rumination and that over attachment that you said to feeling validated by people and things outside of us um can and is very addicting for sure exactly exactly and so it's never going to not be addicting (laughs) you know like we have to make a choice to be like oh especially when it comes to um dating apps and and texting and just all of this all of these elements of modern dating like dating apps are not designed for your peace and happiness (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. dating apps are not even designed for you to find love though you can find love on them they are they're they're businesses and if every person on every dating app fell in love tomorrow that would be a big problem for all the dating apps Mm -hmm. so they are perfectly happy for you to be swiping on there for years and not meeting anyone that's fine by them okay because <laughs> you're a customer and you get they're getting your money or they're selling to you they're at whatever they're making money off of you right so understanding that is not to be like oh to hell with dating apps it's just understand like okay i have to be very intentional about how i use this because if i just go with the the ease of the technology which is designed to be maximally addictive, which is designed for you to not be able to put your phone down and to want to keep swiping and to be addicted to every notification. By the way, I recommend turning off notifications for your dating apps. Mm-hmm. You ha- I, I recommend like, you. I mean, you know, you check every day, you know, you want to see who's responded to your messages, whatever. I don't recommend swiping every day. Mm-hmm. Because it gets to, I mean, you, but this, it, it depends on the person. So you got to pay attention. How do I feel? Do I, do I feel this pressure that if I have a free moment, I should be swiping? So that kind of goes into the question about using things addictively. So I know we talked offline before um, in the podcast, um, before when we were scheduling the podcast about the things that we talk about here at Black Girls Heal. And we talk about love addiction and how we will use relationships or the fantasy of it to self-medicate wounds so listening to the 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 boundaries and the limits that you're talking about i can 
remember a younger version of me who would listen to what you're saying and say, okay, have boundaries, put the phone in the living room, um, have all these new rules and standards, but it wasn't really getting at the heart and the reason why I was acting out that way. So it wouldn't work. Or when I did start dating somebody, I would still either take someone who wasn't worth my time, or if I did take someone that was worth my time, I would have this over-attachment to it working out. So I'm wondering if you can say a little bit more about that inner work that's needed so that once you do start dating, it'll actually last, <laughs> like the yes. trauma underneath it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, because everything you're saying is, is so right. And I always, I'm such an advocate for people. I'm like, do not just keep going through the motions of dating when you feel, um, when, when you can't get to that place, right? Like, don't just go through the, and, and, and it's not to say that you've got to be like super healed and not have any issues before you start dating because dating can be a process through which you, you can heal. You can use it as a process to help yourself heal, but you want to at least have a baseline of, okay, an understanding of, I understand what my pattern is even if I don't understand where it came from, or if I don't understand exactly how to end it or how to break it or change it, but at least I have an understanding of what my pattern is. That's like the first step. Like just understanding that you have a pattern, number one, um, is important because the fact that you have a pattern in and of itself proves that there's a level on which you are, you are choosing this pattern, even if you don't understand why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that's just why I always start with self-compassion because as humans, only 5% of what we think and feel is in our conscious awareness, which means 95% is beneath our conscious awareness. So mm -hmm. we all have a lot going on that if we want to understand it, we've got, we, we can't, we've got to release the judgment and the shame. So that's why I always, always start with self-compassion because you can't heal anything if you're in that shame fog. Um, mm -hmm. So once you get that shame under control, then you can start to look a little bit more objectively and so you can start to say like, okay, what am I basing my value on? What am I basing my worthiness on? Am I basing it on a man's or a, per a person's attraction to me? Am I basing it on whether or not I can, you know, uh, project a certain image and people will react to me in a certain way? Am I basing it on what other people are going to think of my relationship status? Mm -hmm. Right. Just and very, just getting curious about asking yourself those questions because in order to heal that, you have to understand it and you have to, and when I say understand, you don't have to understand exactly where it came from and be in therapy for 10 years. Though I love therapy, I'm not knocking therapy, but I don't think that you have to understand the the exact origin of all of our challenges because we really would be on the couch for our whole lives and never get to the bottom of everything but mm -hmm. i don't think you need to get to the bottom of everything because you can still heal yourself by understanding that there's just a lot that's there's a lot underneath this and you didn't choose it actively and now you do you get to choose something new so mm -hmm. It is, it is a practice. It's not like an overnight fix, but it's just that constant checking in with yourself and recognizing and considering the possibility that there is another way for you to date. There is another way for you to relate in a, in a different dynamic 
that is possible for you to, um, one that actually serves you in the long run. Because the other thing about that love addiction, I mean, it's short term. It's not like I'm addicted to love and now I have this like great passionate relationship that yeah. lasts forever, right? It's mm -hmm. like, um, it's, you know, uh, I talk about, I talk about love bombing and um, which is when you meet that person and they're just like, oh my God, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they're just giving you all the attention and it feels like a fantasy. It feels like a movie. You're like so swept up and caught in, you know, romantic gestures and all, you know, just all these amazing declarations of like affection and, and love. And the only reason that we ever truly love another person is because we see them for who they really are and we love them for who they really are, uh -huh. right? And uh -huh. so when you have people who they, they meet you and they're going over the top, projecting onto you all these things that they can't really know. And I'm sure, I mean, Sheena, have you had this experience? In dating of being somebody? a love bomb? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you know? absolutely. And the answer right. is run. Right. right. And it's just like, and, and, and there's part of you that's like, oh my God. Oh, but then there's another part of you that's like, wait, you don't even know me. Yeah. Right. Is this about me? And yeah. if you find yourself constantly in that situation and you're constantly being um, caught up and swept up in that, then it's like, okay, well, hold on a second. You know, mm -hmm. am I able to see myself and accept myself? And to your point earlier, if we do not have a concept of what healthy love is and what it feels like to give it to ourselves and to self-esteem ourselves, even if our little red flag ticker is going off, we're like, oh, this isn't right. This is too quick. This is too soon. That will slowly disappear because we're so starved of feeling affirmed, of feeling valued, of feeling needed. So we will lean into the love bombing. And then because this person is unhealthy, once they start to take it away, we will end up doing whatever we need to to keep it and we'll stay in these relationships, right? Yeah. And so that's why starting with us, even as unsexy as it sounds and as much as people say you gotta love yourself first and you're like, well, what does that mean? Um, it's still the first step. It's yeah. still how we get what we actually want by learning to be our own superhero, by being exactly. our own knight in shining armor. Yes, yes to everything you just said. Yes. <laughs> and it's because the thing is that we can love other people without loving ourselves, but like you just described, it will be inherently dysfunctional because yeah. we will always be trying to, um, we cannot stay true to ourselves when we, mm -hmm when we do not love ourselves. So yeah. we will always give away parts of ourselves in order to try to receive love from another person. And it's always going to feel, um, that's never gonna feel fulfilling because we're, you are here to be yourself and you deserve yeah. to be yourself and you deserve to be seen and to be loved for who you are. And the world has been telling you for a very long time that that is not true. And that's why it's painful because we all know there's a part of us that knows that we're here to be ourselves. That's why it hurts to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I, you know, I know we're getting close to our time, but I just, one of the things that I really love about your model and how you teach and what you just shared is how much self-care is about self-empowerment. 
And it's all about us getting the opportunity to choose how do we want to feel, especially if so much of our life has been at the whim of other people and even the external factors. So going back to us as black women and us overachieving and the fact that our true value comes from us just existing, we can get caught up in like that, um, that, that reward cycle of I'm only valuable when I get this versus, and so by nature, we're dependent on whether or not we get the promotion, whether or not we get the bag, whether or not we get the car. Um, instead of us starting from the inside and saying, okay, how do I want to feel with my current reality, no matter if all those other things come and knowing that we can do that, that, that we have access to that superpower, right? We have access to joy today. Um, and we can bring that into our dating relationships, into our marriages, into our careers and friendships and everything else. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So it's so good. It's so important. Um, so I guess, do I have like five more minutes to give a note? Is he given an analogy? Of course you do. I was trying okay. to respect your time. Girl, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. Actually. So first of all, I'll just really quick, because um, I was, uh, maybe some listeners are like, wait, you never said what the fifth element of self-love is because um, mm -hmm. self-care is number four. So I want to quickly just say number five is self-gratitude. And that's when you are able to be grateful for who you are not just what you have or what you've done, because it's important to be grateful for all those things as well, but for just the person that you are. So just to ask yourself, and this is, and this is part of the process of starting to really train yourself to love yourself, right? Is what about the person that I am, that I get to be, can I be grateful for right now? Mm -hmm. And gratitude is so powerful and it's, and it's so related to joy. So this is this is the this is how I kind of conceptualize this idea. So if you take like a regular eight and a half by eleven, you know, piece of paper, and you draw a line horizontally through the center, and at the very top of the page you write the word love, and at the very bottom of the page you write the word fear. So, as I mentioned a little while ago, love is the highest, this is the highest frequency emotion. It's the highest, the most powerful force in the universe. And then fear is the lowest frequency vibration and emotion. And it is almost, it is, and it is also very, very powerful. Okay. And okay. so when you think about fear, sadness, worry, um, you know, low self-worth, all of those things, they're all like beneath that, that line in the center of the page, right? Mm -hmm. They're all kind of trending downward towards fear. And as I said before, all of our emotions seek to multiply themselves and to amplify themselves. So when you're feeling those lower vibration emotions, it's very easy to find more and more low vibration emotions to experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then where we really want to be, we want to be up on the, <laughs> on the top half of the page, right? We want to be getting as close as we can to that frequency of love, because that is where you're going to have the most love, the most joy, the most ease, the most abundance, be the most magnetic, be able to manifest the things that you want with great ease, right? So joy is on that top half of that page, right? Obviously, and it's really high on that page. 
and joy, like gratitude, because they're, they're very, very similar frequency. They are so high vibration and we get to, we get to chance to choose both of them. Mm -hmm. And when we're able to choose those emotions, it raises, it, it raises everything up. And then we start to, the joy looks for more joy. The gratitude looks for more gratitude and it just expands and expands. So accessing that joy is incredibly, incredibly important if you just for your life's happiness and certainly for your love journey. So my advice for people is especially when something is hard, especially when something is triggering, a lot of times what we're trying to do is we're just trying to get to that middle line in the page. We're just like, I just want to be okay. I just want to be able to like, you know, get through this. I just want to be able to like, not feel so terrible. I just want to like, and, and sometimes, I mean, that's a, that's a starting point. It can be right. Sometimes being in the middle of that page is better than feels better than being at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But if we can start to more often than not choose joy, choose a way to access it. And I encourage everyone to think of like, okay, what is my shortest access? My, my, what is my biggest shortcut to joy? Is it listening to music? Is it playing with my pet? Is it taking a walk in nature? Is it having a conversation with my sister? Is it, you know, on and on, is it playing with my child or whatever it is, but knowing what your shortcuts are to joy it's going to be so important for you because then you'll always know how to access it. And then once you start to get in the habit of accessing it more and more and more and more, then it's going to raise your overall vibration more and more. And the same goes with gratitude, which is why gratitude is such a powerful practice because we can always choose gratitude, even in the most dismal of circumstances. And because as long as we are alive, we have the ability to find, we, we have the ability to find something to be grateful for, even if it's just, I'm still here, I'm still breathing. Mm -hmm. I haven't given up yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So all of that, that's all a, a practice. And the more you raise, the more you practice that, then the easier it is to then say, okay, when you're in this place of joy, is it gonna be easier to be compassionate towards yourself? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be easier to feel um, more self-worth? Yes. Is it going to be easier to validate yourself? Yes. Is it going to be easier for you to really look and say like, Hey, how do I want to feel? How do I keep this joyful feeling going? Right. How, mm -hmm. what, what in my approach to dating needs to, am I, am, you know, new possibilities are going to arise in that place. So my biggest advice for people is just to figure out how to access that because dating is very triggering and we have so much story and conditioning around love and around romance and about what it means to have love and what it means to be single and all of these things. And it's so much judgment. It's so much nonsense. I call it the fairy tale industrial complex that's <laughs> mm -hmm. been indoctrinating everyone our whole lives. And so we have to be compassionate towards ourselves for all of that noise. And then we can heal it. Then we can release it. And then you can step into that joy and that flow and that love that you want that is absolutely available for you. It is just a matter of clearing away all of this nonsense that distracts you and drains your energy and just keeps kind of dragging you down on that page, rather accessing the love and the joy that's available to you.
Franny, I love it so much. That is so wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So now that you have given us all life, <laughs> I would love <laughs> if you could tell us where we can find you, how people can work with you, what you have available. Let us know. Yes. Thank you. So I am, um, well, I'm easy to find. I'm at Dear Franny on all the socials. So um, that's, that's easy to find. I also have my podcast called Dear Franny Podcast, just making my life easy here. Um, and, you know, there are lots of ways that people can work with me. I have a community called the True Love Society, which is an incredible community of women who are, um, who are on their true love journeys. And we have lots of events inside of that community and um, just support. It's a really beautiful place. And I do pretty much every week I do a live Zoom on different topics, um, you know, whether it's like manifesting true love or human design or online dating or just open Q and A's. So that's an incredible place. So if anyone's interested in checking that out, you can go to the truelovesociety.com and you can and you can join us there. Um, and then if people are interested in talking to me about one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, then, you know, if you go to any of my, my, my socials, you go to Instagram, for instance, if you go, if you click on my link in my bio, you'll see options to book a discovery call with me so we can chat about what's going on in your love life and, and see how we might be a good fit to work together. So yeah, but I'm easy to find. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I know you're not highlighting any specific socials, but um, Franny, your your community that you've built on Clubhouse is incredible. Um, definitely a place full of love and connection and healing. So if anyone wants to hear more about these topics, um, can you talk a little bit about your community on Clubhouse and how yeah. it's set up? Yes, yes, yes. So um, I really, really love Clubhouse. Um, it's been such a blessing to be able to cultivate that community. Um, and uh, my, I have a club on Clubhouse that's called the True Love Society, which is, you know, the same as my community off of Clubhouse. And um, when I first got on Clubhouse back in September, I, at that time, um, it was very business, like, you know, everything was very investment and crypto and, you know, politics is this, you know, before the election. And so it was, and it was amazing, but I was like, I love hearing these conversations, but I don't really have much to say on any of these topics because none of these are my area of expertise, nor do I like want to spend a ton of time talking about them. But what I do want to talk about is dating and human <laughs> design and manifestation. And I remember when I did my first human design room on clubhouse i was like these people are going to think i am crazy i'm going to get kicked off this platform <laughs> yeah. um, but luckily that was not the reaction um, the reaction was that people were really resonating with it and so i was like oh yes uh, this is my place i'm going to go all in so um so i host three weekly rooms on clubhouse i host manifestation mondays on mondays where we talk about manifestation and how to manifest and what we're manifesting I host True Love Tuesdays on Tuesdays, where each week I pick a different topic about the love journey and finding love. Um, and on Fridays, I host Human Design Happy Hour, where we talk about human design and how to um, incorporate it into your life and understand your design. And yeah, so it's just been incredible. And 
you know, um, and I, I've just been really so just gratified and just inspired. And I've learned so much from my community on, on Clubhouse and um, I'm so inspired by the people that I've met there and the conversations that we have. And yeah, it's just been incredible. Um, and actually, if anyone is on Clubhouse who's listening to this, actually, and even if you aren't, um, I'm, I'm hosting the first ever Clubhouse Summit um, and it's taking place, uh, I'm not sure exactly when this episode is going to come out, but it's taking place February 11th through the 14th. Um, and it is a four-day summit. I'm co-hosting it with AC Brown, who is amazing human design expert, psychic channel, astrology, numerology, amazing. Just everybody should check out AC and her podcast is my aura on straight, which is so good. Um, but AC and I are hosting or co-hosting the summit and it's called the true love summit. And if anyone's interested in learning more, <laughs> you can go to the true um, And we are going to do, we're doing, I think we have 10 sessions happening overall on, on, um, over these four days. And we're doing sessions on self-love, on dating, on body confidence, money mindset, healing trauma, accessing joy and gratitude, manifestation. I mean, we're like going in, we're jam-packing it. We've got some amazing guest experts who are coming to join us for different sessions. Um, so we're really excited about that. So that's all happening on Clubhouse. And for those who are not on Clubhouse, we are offering a Zoom live stream option. So um, at, at a much reduced price. So if anyone is interested, you can also learn more about that at thetruelovesummit.com. So perfect. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I think this episode is going to come out around Valentine's Day, but even if it's a week or two afterwards, you know, people have all the socials to connect with you to work together in the future. And, um, Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom. It is so appreciated. Thank you, Sheena. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being part of part of um, my clubhouse family, because I mean, you know, you are incredible and I'm so happy that we're connected and, um, and the work that you're doing in the world is so needed and so beautiful. And I'm just so, I mean, yeah, I'm inspired by you and what you built and I'm just I'm proud of both of us <laughs> <laughs> yes yes oh. Oh, I love it I love thanks for listening to this week's podcast before we get started let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors <laughs> 